0: Here's another inspiring speech recorded at Communities in Control. Australia's biggest and best annual community sector gathering.
1: Our next speaker is also somebody who knows a lot about the importance of creativity. As research director for the Public Service Research Program at the Centre for Policy Development, uh, James Whelan has led research programs examining deliberative and collaborative governance, environmental politics and social movements. Most recently, his work has involved examining the big society changes that have swept through the United Kingdom since the election of British Prime Minister David Cameron and his government two years ago. Changes that have had a profound effect in that country and from which we have a lot to learn here. As well as his work for the Centre for Policy Development, James is also the director of the Change Agency, a not-for-profit, which works to support social change groups throughout Australia and the Pacific. Please join me now in welcoming James to the stage.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Uh, Thanks, Dennis, and thanks, everyone. Um, for the opportunity to be here. It's really terrific. Um, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners and thank uh, Ron for the great performance as well. Wonderful story. Love those stories. Um, I love the theme of this conference. I think that the first couple of uh, pages of your program present um, not so much statements of fact, but I think very provocative assertions. Uh, Even the name of uh, the conference, Communities in Control. I think, is enough for us to, to, to reflect on quite a lot. I mean, you know, is it a statement? Is it a question? Is it deliberately, de- deliberately provocative, uh, the, the, the reality that this is the last of the ten and wh- where will the future go? And the, the idea of crossroads. And I was talking with our director at the Centre for Policy Development, Miriam Lyons, about... Um, the, the idea of, uh, of, of crossroads and how I can you know, draw some connection as speakers try to do between the theme of a conference and what I'm speaking about and uh, what more of a crossroads is there, really, um, certainly from my perspective, having immersed myself in this research program around big society for the last six months, but more of a crossroad than the, uh, the choice about, about what kind of society we live in and in that society what kind of uh, state, what, what role we see for the state. Uh, Yes, we're here as community sector, uh, but the community sector is one part of a healthy society along with the public sector and the private sector. How does that blend work? How does that mosaic work? I want to talk about a huge shake-up to British society, not least of which has been a change to the role of the state and size of the state. If we were to imagine ourselves at a crossroads in the UK, the crossroads happened two years ago. I um, will need the tech people to bring up the... Um, great, th- thank you. Uh, two years ago with the election of David Cameron, uh, since since then um, the United Kingdom has moved very decisively, uh, there's our, our British Prime Minister at the bottom, um, down one of three roads that, that they might have gone down. They have gone down a road toward small government. And small government, I think, is, is one of the, the signposts that's there for for us in Australia and for the community sector and society in Victoria. Um, Small government, what does small government mean? Another path that we might go in is big government potentially. A third path we could opt for is a considered evidence-based healthy blended society where the state plays a role uh, along with the private sector and the community sector. I'd like to talk about what, what's been happening in the United Kingdom and then shift to uh, the Australian political and social landscape and what big society means for us here, what it, what it might mean as we, as we move toward a crossroads that we have coming up at a federal level with a uh, potential shift of government, change of government um, in the forthcoming federal election, whenever that happens. The big society, the big society um, in part grew from uh, an innocuous enough looking book, Red Tory, published in 2010 just before the, uh, the national election where David Cameron was elected, written by Philip Blonde. I work for the Centre for Policy Development which uh, describes itself as a progressive and pluralist center, uh, think tank. Uh, we're based in Sydney. We, we do some work um, in various states around the country. Philip Blonde is the founding director of a think tank in the United Kingdom called Respublica. Uh, and f- former theologian, lecturer, academic, um, but, but uh, also a bit of a public relations uh, thinker, as was the British Prime Minister, um, David Cameron, and we'll see the significance of that shortly. Uh, so Think Tank really set the agenda. David Cameron picked up the ideas that Philip Blond had articulated in this book and turned them into public policies that have transformed British society in two short years, and I'll describe how that's happened. It's a very appealing Book. If you read it, like when I first read it, I, I was drawn to a lot of Philip Blonde's arguments, and I'm also drawn to quite a bit of the, uh, the the rhetoric around big society. At its heart, there are three elements to big society. It's about empowering communities, communities in control. It's about encouraging a diversity of service providers. That sounds good. But lots of people doing lots of different good jobs in the community. It's about fostering volunteerism and mutualism. And you heard from the deputy premier those healthy indicators of the not-for-profit sector, of volunteerism, of the economic significance of the community sector. One of the other big society champions who um, David Cameron has had during his two years, um, Nat Way, a young social entrepreneur, uh, like to use the metaphor of a coral reef to describe big society. The coral reef, um, and those of us in Australia, will probably have a, probably a deep and subliminal uh, you know, subconscious Emotional response, a coral reef. Well, who wouldn't want to live in a coral reef? What a terrific metaphor. The fish of citizens and neighbourhood groups participating in the design and delivery of services. The coral, social, public and private providers collaborating. Lots of different kinds of coral, the brain coral, the branch coral, the staghorns. uh, In complementary services, developing innovative service models for harder-to-reach groups. And the seabed is our third sector, the public sector government protecting the vulnerable, ensuring essential services, and facilitating the mix, facilitating design and delivery. Powerful, appealing, simple, elegant. No uh, um, probably coincidence that David Cameron was uh, described as a public relations guru before he became a British Prime Minister. The reality of big society has been quite different. Um, it started, I guess, the... the the disillusionment with, with big society, the, the shock of big society happened only two months into Cameron's first term, we're still in, two months after the election the first, elect, first budget came out and what you see is a, just a snapshot of some of the cuts that happened in that first budget. Uh, public, sector, public sector spending was cut by 81 billion pounds, community sector uh, funding was also cut in that first year by 5 billion pounds and then a range of portfolios from welfare, legal aid, communities, public housing, higher education, police and so forth. Across the board, cuts of between a quarter and two-thirds of the budgets of these portfolios, of these agencies were cut. Local government um, cuts were very significant because without the state government in the mix as we have here, local government in the UK... uh, you know, manages a lot of that uh, community sector support, you know, grants to community sector organisations and so on. Having experienced a cut of 25% or more across local government, local governments were not only needing to wind back very seriously the funding that they passed along to community sector organisations, they needed to cut their own services as well. Um, Public sector employees were reduced in number by um, approximately... Uh, a quarter of a million in the first 12 months of the Cameron government, um, which I think puts into some stark contrast uh, the size or the magnitude of the public sector cuts that are happening in Australia at the moment. Uh, I'll talk briefly about that later. I'm conscious that here in Victoria, for instance, people are dealing with the reality of cuts of about 4,000 public servants this year, Um, 240,000. So big society was, was not toying around. Big society was going to be dramatic, and sudden, uh, with with another um, half a million public, and, and when I say public sector employees, I mean government employees of both the national and local government, another half a million set to go in the next five years. We're talking about a rapid and very dramatic change in, in the mix. At the time, and I've been um, watching big society uh, as long as I've worked at CPD, I get a Google alert, probably a lot of you do too, when Buzzwords pop up in the news. I've been looking for public service, basically, and big society changes generate more of the news around public service in the world than anything else. And so I, I couldn't not spend six months, um, at least, doing some research around this. People, Philip Blonde was very optimistic. Uh, he said people were taking over the state, which is what he wanted. Others said Cameron had declared war on the public sector. and um, Neutral ob- observers would say it was the biggest shake-up um, that had happened in half a century. Very dramatic changes indeed. Cameron is a big believer in business. He says business is the most powerful force for social progress. At the heart of the, the program of big society was this idea of any willing provider. Uh, now Australia has a you know competition policy um, which is interpreted and described in different ways. When he was Education Minister under the Howard government, David Kemp, um, said if you can find it in the yellow pages, government shouldn't be doing it. Um might be one, one extreme around around the interpretation of, of Australia's policies. But another is the Queensland State Government, where uh, although um, all three sectors contended to do government work, there, there is a proportion of, uh, of you know, community service that the government continues to provide. Any willing provider, which is the big society version, is a default setting. It's a default setting that unless a compelling argument can be uh, created and maintained, the government shouldn't be doing the work. Um, So we look for any willing provider and that might involve not-for-profit organisations, large or small. It might involve corporations. It might involve these hybrid organisations that the government is very keen to see emerge from the social entrepreneur, you know, social innovation sort of space. Uh, and there's a whole language around big society that, that um, I've got a glossary, and we're just about to release the report on big society that I've been working on for the last six months. It'll be launched on Wednesday, and you'll find it on CPD's website. Um, a bit of a labour of love. I'm kind of waving, waving it here for myself uh, for reference, but from Wednesday you'll be able to download it from our website, um, and it's 450 references from newspaper articles and academic papers and policy discussion papers and so on. Um, any willing provider actually hasn't, um, hasn't turned into these other organisations. The glossary, sorry, uh, in this talks about spin-outs and mutuals, which are interesting types of organisations who could be tendering in competition to your not-for-profit if this were to happen here. A spin-out or a mutual, a spin-out is something where public servants whose agency may have tended to do some housing provision or some other community service missed out, recreate themselves as a private sector, uh, a corporation of some kind. Um, mutuals, obviously, are, are, are owned by their, by their employees, by their workers. Um, so spin-outs, mutuals, not-for-profits and so on, they can all tender for everything. The widest range of services. I just want to quickly read um, the, the kinds of organisations that, that we're looking at, providing parks, libraries, post offices, hospitals, welfare-to-work employment programs, prisons, court and tribunal administration payment processing, fraud, debt and identity related services, police information and communication, technology and training, infrastructure and back office functions, health services, housing, planning and schools. Uh, just a snapshot. Everything, everything to any willing provider. So the first tranches, the first waves of, uh, of, of any willing provider occurred almost immediately upon election. Um, and the winners are the big fish. Uh, we're not seeing the coral reef emerging. We're actually seeing a, an, an interesting phenomenon where um, people can tender in a range of ways. You can be a prime contractor or a prime tenderer, which is uh, you're, you're going to receive a significant you know, chunk of money to provide a significant uh, level of service or extent of service. Um, but you may have uh, a contract, a partnership, obviously, with a large not for profit or in- indeed with a number of smaller. Local not-for-profits, community sector organisations. What's happened is that um, in one of the largest pieces of government work that's been outsourced, the work program, the equivalent of, uh, um, of uh, the you know employment services in Australia, the huge corporations have dominated. These three uh, received thirty-five of uh, forty contracts, eighty-eight so percent of the the. Work that came out of the work program as it was outsourced. They had gone into partnerships uh, for the process of bidding um, with not-for-profit organisations who, who were enthusiastic about big society, who saw the potential, who were enthusiastic about partnering with corporate uh, partners for this, this contracting business, um, who, who now go to the media or who you know, shortly after this in 2011 went to the media saying, we were used as bid candy. This is, uh, you know, we, we haven't got the work. Or, or the other thing that's happened is that in some instances, you know, an A4E or a CERCO has, has secured the prime contract, taken 12, 12.5% of the, of the contract, and then passed it on. And some, some MPs have said, we had not-for-profits in my electorate who were doing that work, who tended. They've missed out. The corporate, the corporate got it. They've taken a slice of 12%, which is very significant. And now the, the not-for-profit is doing that work on 82% of the budget. In our report, we look a little at Serco, um, partly because Serco, as well as dominating the process in the UK, um, is so active here in Australia and is growing rapidly and its extent and influence in Australia, um, which takes various forms. Internationally, Serco runs roads. Uh, they run Dublin's traffic lights, apparently, um, half a million square kilometres of airspace. Educational authorities, under Cameron, um, Serco picked up the contracts to run public schools in Bradford County, I mean right across the nation, but in Bradford County, Circo is running every public school. Here in Australia, they run all of our detention centres and many of the support services for those detention centres. They've been described as the biggest company you've never heard of. In parts of, the, of Britain, they say is running so much business that they're like the council. They're, they're a surrogate government. They're what government used to be. During the big society research, I, I went around the country and interviewed people who think and look long and hard at the public sector and at the, the Australian society in general, one of whom is Kath Smith, who will be known to the Victorians in the room, no doubt, as the former CEO of the of Vicos. I um, also interviewed five professors of public policy. I interviewed people on the left and the right, people who knew about big society and, and, and were enthusiastic, people who were shuddering about the thought of big society here. Kath Smith spoke about this tendency to to shift from smaller to larger um, organisation, that there's a a tendency to lose the diversity that the coral reef conjures up as time goes by. And I'm seeing some heads nodding uh, in the room. We're probably living with that reality around the country. One of the um, the leading not-for-profits who've been analysing big society in the UK, the Roundtree Foundation, has published two reports... Um, it's always the way when, you, when you're about to release what, what you uh, you know, I, I would have stood here and said, you know, the, the, the most comprehensive report on big society yet published um, two weeks ago. Uh, and then Roundtree, you know, as I was finalising the edits on it, Roundtree published their second report, which is just a beauty, done, done in the UK looking at the impacts in the first two years of big society there. Um, I can now say mine is the first Australian Comprehensive Australian analysis of big society, but big society's headed our way. If you haven't been part of a conversation about it yet, you will be. Uh, it's, it's, it's happening. Uh, anyway, uh, Roundtree had a good look at the impacts, and they said that in terms of the social justice consequences, two things were happening. Big society changes were, including including the budget changes that happened at the same time, and maybe we should hold those two things apart. Yes, there were huge budget cuts in the UK. Yes, there was this idea of big society and empowering communities and volunteerism and so on. Did those two things coincide? Was that unfortunate? People who, who are very fond of big society would say that. They would say, this is unfortunate because we can't isolate the positive uh, you know, impacts of big society while the the austerity or emergency budgets were happening in the UK. Others would say those two were two parts of, there was two sides of a coin we were, we were always going to get those two things and I'll let you decide on that but they saw two things happening across the UK one was that the the poorest communities were hit hardest in fact they concluded the report by asking can English local government continue to serve deprived communities the range of services that I described before about the any willing provider there's a similar list in the report of the range of services that were either cut back during the first 12 months of the Cameron government or abolished altogether. And if you look at the profile of uh, those services that were cut or abolished, um, often it was services that were either for the young or the old or the the, economically disadvantaged um, parts of the the community and geographical areas within the community as well, those, those places volunteerism is a huge part of the vision for big society uh, and there's there are a range of assumptions about volunteerism I've just in in the report I go into them in some detail um, one of them is this idea of sort of limitless volunteerism. We don't like government I'm, I'm not being polemic there we Australians have some deep-seated, reservations, misgivings, about the idea of a big government. In in the 70s, Nugget Coombs led a royal commission into the public service in Australia. Um, And I think it was the last time we had a decent look at the public sector and its role in Australia. We've had a couple of similar national, you know, commissions or inquiries or whatever since then. Um, uh, But they they haven't been as comprehensive. In any case, when he was drawing his concluding remarks in, in that context, Nugget Coombs says that the one single theme that came through most strongly and consistently in that royal commission right around the country they had hearings and you know submissions and so forth was 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 misgivings about big government you know Australians didn't don't trust this idea of big government okay so let's let's run with that let's have smaller government let's have much smaller government that's what big society is about and in its place as the state pulls back there's some space that that that, that meddling overreaching B- bureaucrats and public servants have been dominating and telling people what to do and so on. Uh, we, we hear enough of that. Okay, great things will happen in that space. A coral reef will happen in that space. Volunteerism will happen in that space. Limitless volunteerism. To the extent that the state withdraws, volunteers will rush in, civil society will rush in. There's there's no limit to that. Um, that, that comes through again and again. Um, and I want to look at some indicators of that. There's also an assumption that volunteers can and will can and will replace public servants. The governments have stifled volunteerism and should get out of the way and that the state can can foster volunteerism through the kinds of enabling uh, platforms that the Deputy Premier was speaking about before, through, you know, Australia Day becoming Volunteer Day and, you know, all those sorts of celebrations of volunteerism um, and maybe small grants if we can afford them to, to, help, to help run that. There have been some surveys done in the UK of people's willingness to do that, to do that work, to step into the space that's been vacated by these public servants. What we find is that, if you look at the bottom bar, while 80% of the British citizenry support more community involvement, 25% would say that they care to be involved, 5% would say that they want to be involved in providing services, and when you ask specifically about schools... And Free schools, a sort of idea of you know, a non-public alternative led by the, go- led by the community. Two per cent of UK citizens were saying that they wanted to be involved in, in running those schools. Uh, there have actually been surveys of um, British parliamentarians as well to look at their both interests and their track records around volunteerism and it's telling that fewer than 10 per cent of the sitting members of parliament in the UK volunteer on anything like a regular basis. The leader of the Labor Party has uh, spoken of his cynicism. It's a 19th century or US-style view of the welfare state. Cut back the welfare state and somehow civil society will thrive. Um, And people might be hearing the the Joe Hockey culture of entitlement echoing in the back of their head somewhere. Uh, Davies and Pill, social scientists, have said that rolling back the state actually seems not to unleash a culture of volunteering and and charitable investment seeks to anticipate corporate investment rather than need. Charitable investment and social entrepreneurship is a big part of big society, that uh, we, can, we can draw on the other two sectors, the corporate sector and the community sector, to work together in partnerships, that there are, just as there's unlimited volunteer potential, there's unlimited social investment potential. Pull the state out of that space and corporates will partner with community sector organisation and leverage funds for social impact bond Experiments like is happening in New South Wales, or uh, or startups of one kind or another, who'll who tend to do public service work. It hasn't materialised yet. The amount of money that's actually come forth from the corporate sector has been, you know, less than ten percent of what was what was anticipated. Um, others have said this is Wikipedia, government collectively created by the <coughs> impassioned, the invested, or the board. Philip Pullman, a, a novelist, British novelist, very popular. Uh, was speaking at a public rally in, uh, just trying to remember the county where where many of the libraries were being closed. Community uh, local government funding for libraries was pulled, and libraries have been one of the one of the, um, like the canaries in the cage, I guess, because communities are very concerned and they mobilise quite quickly when they lose their libraries. Um, he was speaking about about libraries here. He said, in relation to volunteerism, who are these people? Whose lives are so empty, whose time spreads out in front of them like the limitless steps of Central Asia? They have no families to look after, no jobs to do, no responsibilities of any sort. Yet are so wealthy they can commit hours of time every week to working for nothing. He also said of libraries in particular that, um, you know, can we assume that a librarian's job involves, you know, stocking the shelves and and having cups of tea? Is that all that's involved? Others have um, satirised the idea of. Losing the paid part of fire services or emergency services, and spoken about sort of dad's army kind of images. You know that this is that there are places, the times and places. The swimming pool. Who's assessing how much chlorine goes in a swimming pool? How do we feel when we when that's volunteers? Uh, not decrying the value of volunteerism for one second. There has been quite a uh, a social movement has grown up around concerns and the resistance to big society. It hasn't remained sort of universally popular. When big society was first championed by Cameron, people like such as us here in this room were enthusiastic about it. It was a promise for the community sector to be involved in more meaningful, more dynamic ways. Local government was enthusiastic about it. Whitehall was going to get out of the way. They're going to devolve more you know, responsibility to local government. They're going to stop sending their bureaucrats out here into our county. Uh, churches. Were supportive. Um, more recently, um, when the Archbishop of Canterbury, who had been um, quite a supporter of Cameron's ideas early on, um, began to refer to the big society ideas as awfully stale, or frightfully stale, I think he said. And, and Cameron took such offence. He, he went head to head with the Archbishop and said, if Jesus were alive, Jesus would be a supporter of big society. <laughs> there have been... Um, Questions asked when the Occupy movement happened in the UK, when the riots happened in the UK. Every time civil society mobilises, some journalist or another says, is this a response to big society? Is this what big society is about? Question. It's a question. A lot of satire. We're about to have some T-shirts printed that look like the one on the, on the far right there. Does my society look big in this? Um, people questioning. There's a, the, this is actually a, a, a spoof on the, the official poster a big society th- there's no no bones about that the, the take away the, the placards over the top this is the government's slogan big society not big government uh, so it does play to that that sentiment that nugget Coombs was was identifying in his Royal Commission It's also generated quite a quite a Twitter conversation we're keen to generate one around big society here the hash big society tag has run hot and you can see just want to point you towards the top one. Great to see lots of Sutton as an area in the UK residents cleared their pavement over the weekend. There's this big snowstorm uh, with free grip from the council. Big society, behaviour change, local gov. When volunteerism occurs, a community sector organisation hosts something that's great, they do some initiative. Cameron's ministers or the Prime Minister himself will be there to say big society in action. This is big society in action. Come, can I put my arm around you? Big society. It's big society, it's good. It's good stuff. It's the kind of frame where you can claim anything that meet that fits with it. Uh, and then you can refute the contrary. Uh, you know, people falling over, volunteer organizations losing their, their funding and so on. The the Twitter conversation though has equally been quite critical, and the others down here, you know, I cleared the pavement outside yesterday, not an endorsement of big society, just being helpful. Um, right through to people now you know, pointing to really meaty reports like the Roundtree Foundation's one on, on the web. The big society discussion runs hot. I, contrast, I think, to the discussions that we have about the role of the state in our Australian society. Um, as a public service geek, I would say there are a few places where you can go to have that conversation. What you can find is uh, flashpoints. You can find issue-based discussions. Oh, the government's going to stop funding that. Oh, the government's doing that program that we don't like or that we do like. You know, we have the, those micro-conversations, but not the macro-conversation about what do we want government to do? What's its role? How does it relate to the other sectors? What's the mix that we like to see? Where are we seeing that mix right? You know, how would we like to change it? That is happening there. Um, for those of you on Twitter, I've followed, put in a couple of tweets this morning uh, to Ausbig Society, which is so far quite a lonely space, got mostly to myself. Um, but hopefully, with the report coming out on Wednesday, um, there'll be a few, a few uh, other public service nerds like me in that space. So I'm going to come to Australia now, and I'm just watching the time. I, just a few more minutes. Why is any of this relevant to us here? Where are we headed? Um, Prime Minister on record there saying the Australian public service does wonderful things and should be valued. I'm a big supporter of the public service, but, and here's the rub, as a government, we have to make some tough decisions those tough decisions are being made now and on a reasonably small, I'm going to say small scale because I'm not a public servant who's lost my job in the last 6 to 12 months, 4,000 have in Australia, there's uh, federal public servants, there's another 4,000 set to lose their jobs here in Victoria. That's not the scale or the, or the, the speed of the big society changes. Nonetheless. Those things are happening. There are going to be a significant number of retrenchments. If, on the other hand, we have a change of uh, regime um, and Tony Abbott... Uh, let's, let's just see what Tony Abbott's on the record is saying. Very different story. Government should do for people what they can't do for themselves and no more. Securing our future depends more on strong citizens than on big government. And in one speech... Uh, and I've been following speeches both sides of politics for a little while, just looking for the signs, the telltale signs of big society. In one speech, Tony Abbott spoke. These are headlines about engaging community and not-for-profit organisations, sorry, and for-profit organisations to deliver public services, increased reliance on an advocacy for community volunteerism, a standing Green Army as part of that, reviewing welfare provision arrangements, which I should have said was one of the very first things that Cameron did comprehensive review of welfare entitlements in the UK, community boards to manage budgets and staffing of public schools and hospitals. Tony Abbott welcomed Philip Blonde, the author of Red Tory, to speak to the Menzies Research Institute June last year. Uh, I guess that was the starting flag for me to begin work on my report. I thought, well, if Philip Blonde's coming here, he was welcomed before he spoke by Tony Abbott, who introduced him as a friend of Australia, and said these are just the changes that we need to see here. So we're not we're not hearing big society. It's not front and centre for us in Australia, but um, we're we're ripe for them. We're ready for them. And I want to. Um, it's almost my last slide. I'm getting the look. I think. Uh, I think that there are four widely held myths beliefs about the public sector in Australia that make us ripe for for these arguments. They make us uh, you know, potentially quite, quite supportive of big society in the way that many were in the UK um, when it came along. We, and they are these. We spend too much on the public sector. We're overtaxed. Public sector spending slows the economy. We have too many public servants. I want to show just quickly the reality of our public sector spending is that we spend far less than the OECD CD average. Uh, this normally comes as a surprise to people. It came as a surprise to me. I'd grown up with that myth. We spend a lot on the public sector. We're a country that takes our social contract, our social safety net and so on very seriously, have been for many years. In fact, we sit there at 35% of our gross domestic product being invested in the public sector compared to 47%, which is the average. At that point, the UK was investing that average of 47%. Their cuts constitute approximately 6% of their gross domestic product. So under two years, under Cameron... They, they've gone down closer to 40% of their gross domestic product, which is still significantly ahead of Australia. Secondly, that we're an overtaxed nation, and this is probably too small for you. Suffice to say, this is a bar graph of uh, OECD countries, taxation levels for a worker with average wage. The red bar is the OECD average, 35%, is the average taxation level for a single worker, and no children, across the OECD. The red bar is Australia at 26%. Um, we have low taxes and they're, they're, they're the lowest that they've been since the, since the very early 1980s and I know I pay less tax than I did when I was you know, first employed in the community sector does public sector slow the economy well no it doesn't slow the economy uh, Ross Giddens uh, you know, economic uh, observer and analyst said there's no correlation between the size of government and the rate of economic growth, some countries with big sectors big public sectors do well Some countries with small public sectors do badly. Uh, Others have actually pointed, and we know this, that that stimulus funding can, under the right circumstances, including stimulus public sector funding, be very good to to kick-start an economy in the doldrums. And fourthly, the the myth about we have too many public servants, and I think of the four, this one we hear the most often. There are too many, we've never had so many, we've got to get rid of some. This bar graph does two things. The the bars, the background, the light green, uh, just the Australian population, just to show. Of course, since '94, we've had a growing population. The dark line tracks the number of public servants nationally. And so this isn't looking at state public servants, um, but but the trends haven't been too dissimilar. Um, under the Keating and H- Howard governance, um, we saw a significant decline of about a third of the public service after the early '90s uh, until we uh, hit a low point in uh, 1999, from which we've steadily sort of regrown to the point where we may just be eclipsing the number of public servants we had in the early 90s. However, our population has grown, and more than that, our expectations of the public service, all the attitudinal surveys that have been done, say we've never expected less. Uh, Sorry, we've never expected more (laughs) of the public service, just in terms of services, than than ever. Uh, we are a strongly volunteering nation, as the Deputy Premier uh, said. I just want to show these bar graphs about volunteerism. And Australia volunteers are playing a significantly you know, growing role in the provision of services in their communities. The question that I'd ask, though, on the back of big society is if you were to introduce big society changes, a significant withdrawal or dismantling of the state, based on an assumption that you could go from these, the, the top the current bars on this graph to a, to a figure and if i had a pointer i'd point to the roof somewhere that volunteers will step in and run all of the services that need to be dismantled in response to a sudden abrupt withdrawal of the state would would that occur our report shifts then from an analysis of big society and some of the impacts to asking this question. And we ask the question, what what is a good society? What does a good society look like? And in particular, thinking of a good society, how would that good society thrive or respond or be actualized in the context of a contracting state, a much smaller public sector? Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this highlight from the Communities in Control library. If we did, we'd love you to rate or review this podcast in the iTunes store and for you to share it with your friends. For further information about Communities in Control, visit communitiesincontrol.com.au.